You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Coop, I don't know what episode we're on anymore, just at this point. (laughs) But what I do know is that we're going into week three of the NFL season, and that's really where our focus is. We've had a successful first couple weeks uh, of the NFL season. I've cashed both weeks in DFS, which has been great for my wallet. I've been doing a lot of prize picks, been hitting some props there as well. But seasonal, I'm finally getting off to Schneid in a couple of leagues. I'm 2-0 and in a few leagues. You, know, you and I play in a bunch of different things. How are your teams? First of all, how are you doing? But then also, how are your teams going through two weeks of the season? Yeah, I love how you pretend like you actually knew at any point which episode number we were on, first and foremost. I mean, I think after like five, we were saying the wrong number. It's a good thing Uh, when you've gotten to too many episodes that you've lost count, right? That means we're doing this enough for everybody, you know? Right. And it's like, I have a, a bunch of good teams and all my bad teams, I treat it like golf. You know what I mean? It's like, did I play well? No. Did I hit a couple good shots? Yeah. So it's like, even on my bad teams, I got some good players that I can be happy about and we can be uh, optimistic for the future. And anytime for you and me, anytime the uh, Patriots can put a whooping on the Jets, that puts a smile on my face. I know Howard Bender doesn't like seeing that, but yeah, Howard Bender, Justin Fenstrom, also a Jets fan. I think he's officially turning back to the the paper planes is what he calls them now because they're not worthy of the Jets uh, team name at this point. I mean, Yeah, that was about as ugly as I've seen uh, a Jets-Patriots game in a little bit. I mean, we had, of course, the whole Sam Darnold seeing ghosts thing a few years back. Zach Wilson throwing four interceptions. I think three of those were just basically fair catches at that point. Like, there was nobody uh, in the area. There was a great viral tweet going around. Coop, I don't know if you saw it. It seemed like a 12-year-old kid breaking down a play on this computer and he's like showing one of the interceptions that, that Zach Wilson had where on the left side, the left tackle was getting beat by a rusher up the middle was, was Judon free about the, about the hammer Wilson. There was two, it was a guard and a tackle on the, on the right defensive end, both blocking each other though. And then there was a tight end and like a split end who were just standing there blocking nobody. Okay. And then downfield, there was the two receivers that had no separation. Wilson threw it directly into the middle of the field is the one that Corey Davis tipped up and got picked off. If you haven't seen the tweet, go find it. I'm pretty sure I retweeted it out there. It's hysterical. It's the epitome of, of Jets football, which is kind of disappointing, I guess, if you're a Jets fan, because Zach Wilson looked good thrown in shorts mm. there during the combine. So you know, now we're in real NFL team. He's on the Jets and hasn't exactly looked as good. We're back to square one, yeah. But, I mean, uh, that doesn't mean it's the end for Zach Wilson. I just joke around with Jets fans. I I, I like Wilson. I think he's going to be just fine in the long run, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, a lot of the rookie quarterbacks, I mean, as much as we we are happy-ish with what we've seen from Mac Jones, he's not putting up numbers. He's just managing a game. Trevor Lawrence is throwing interceptions just as often as he has touchdown passes. We'll get to it, of course, but Justin Fields making his day this this week as a starter. Obviously, he played uh, second half of last game or for fourth quarter of last week with the Dolphin injury. So we'll get into all that, Coop, but let's go to it. We're, we're previewing week three here. We're going to give our things to watch in each matchup. We're going to do it quickly, not to waste everybody's time. So let's jump into it. We have the Thursday night football matchup here. Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans. Houston, no Tyrod Taylor, David Mills. Is going to be the, did I say that? Is it David Mills? Do I have that name right? It's uh, Davis Mills, actually. Davis Mills. Davis. Okay. Yeah. So he's the, he's going to be stepping in here for Tyrod Taylor. Right now, Carolina is just a seven point favorite here on the road, Thursday night football game. What are your thoughts on this matchup? 
Yeah, so, I mean, the Panthers are probably going to destroy the Texans. I mean, it's a backup quarterback. For fantasy purposes on the Texans, I'm interested in Brandon Cooks, as always. And I did a little tweet last week basically showing that Mark Ingram played most of the run plays, but David Johnson played most of the pass snaps. If you look at last week, with the and the, the first week was obviously versus the uh, Jaguars, a rare positive game script where Mark Ingram went off. If you looked at last week, it was David Johnson playing the pass snaps, Mark Ingram playing the run snaps, but it was a negative game script and David Johnson outscored Mark Ingram. So for me, kind of a sneaky dart throw is David Johnson in these games where they're uh, super underdogs because they're going to have to throw a good amount. I mean, is Philip Lindsay just in limbo for you? He's, I mean, he just never has been able to pass block, and it's that's always been his mo. It's always been his problem. And you, when you're already down a quarterback now, you can't really trust that guy on pass plays. So for me, not super interested in Lindsey. With the Panthers, CMC start every league. DJ Moore is obviously. Yeah, I, I, do I do I own an apology yet for DJ Moore? Can I hold on to my DJ Moore take? I mean, it's only two weeks. Only so. two weeks. You're good. You know, what I mean, it's like, and Robbie, I think Robbie Anderson is probably going to bounce back a little bit. So I, I don't know what your take is on Anderson. He's been pretty slow at the start here, but Terrace Marshall is kind of just playing the slot coming out. Robbie Anderson is playing all the snaps. He's out there in two wide receiver sets. I think he's going to bounce back, but I mean, where are you at with him? Because that's the one that's been kind of surprising. I'm happy to see the six targets last week because he only had three in week one. You know, they had a lot of that chemistry during the preseason, Anderson, which is why I was higher on him and just to quickly recap kind of my the reason why I was down on DJ Moore is that over the last two years when he had had the opportunity to be the number one receiver on his team he was actually number two in targets two years ago he was behind Christian McCaffrey in targets and last year Robbie Anderson led the team in targets now you had a healthy Christian McCaffrey you had Robbie Anderson I was wondering where you were drafting DJ Moore is he potentially the number three target on this team and I kind of explained my reasoning for why I wasn't high on him through two weeks He's been the number one receiver on this team. He's looked damn good. Last week, I love the matchup for him, especially once Lattimore went out of that game. But you're right. I mean, at some point, these matchups coming up for Carolina are juicy. You have Houston, Dallas, and Philadelphia, teams that you should be able to throw on, teams that you should be able to score. If as, if the, the volume will continue to increase for Robbie Anderson in terms of target share, I think the potential for him to have that breakout game. But he had the 57-yard touchdown catch in week one as his only reception. If they're going to start taking shots like that with him more downfield, the, the potential there for those four or five catch games of 130 yards are there. But it's it's feeling like DJ Moore is is working his way into that a better role with Sam Darnold. But we'll see. This is a game where I don't think we're really going to get a lot of answers because right. I'm not expecting it to be overly competitive. Yeah, no, I completely agree on that. It's it's so weird, like you say that, like last year, DJ Moore was the field stretcher. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't throwing it downfield. Robbie Anderson was the underneath guy getting all the targets. This year, they basically, it seems like they were like, oh, well, Robbie was the field stretcher with Sam Darnold. So now let's use him that way. And now Moore's underneath, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, all this is happening in the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater is leading the league in uh, like air yards you know yeah. what i mean just firing the ball downfield so i mean yeah. cats and dogs living together that's fantasy football though so yeah uh, and, who, and, and who did they just face the other day the you know, the broncos i mean like the uh you know the matchups for denver so far this season has been pretty favorable f- for teddy to this point we had what jacksonville and, and the giants right so like easy slim picking so <laughs> I, I, I mean, anyway let's 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 move yeah, on yeah, yeah. yeah so it, it's a good got every game to hit. Every game yeah it's a good transition because we have jacksonville here they're at home against arizona the cardinals only seven point favorites here as well which seems low 
to me, because of the matchup, we don't think highly of Jacksonville. Arizona's putting up a boatload of points. Kyler Murray is putting up a huge amount of fantasy points here. Rondell Moore had a big game last week. What's your thoughts here in this matchup with the Cardinals versus Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, I think the big story here, of course, is Rondell Moore. And can he get more snaps? I mean, the way I look at it, I went back, watched the first game again. I do, I every once in a while, I'm unclear on something based on the numbers. I go and watch it. And the thing with Rondell Moore is that he is just, I don't think he's ever going to be an asset in terms of blocking, right? So if you even look at his big plays, both of them in the first week and the second week, Christian Kirk did an amazing job blocking on those. AJ Green, 6'4". DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, is a force himself. Rondell Moore is 5'7", 180 pounds. And the issue you're going to have with all these people calling for AJ Green to come out of the game in favor of Rondell Moore is who now tethers their foot to the line and plays that split end role. It's like you have to, to take out AJ Green. You need to change either Hopkins' role or Kirk's role, I don't see him at any point really this year getting a 90% snap share. I think he's going to be a guy that comes in for specialty plays and, and does that type of thing, plays a 60% share, 65%, which we've seen guys like CeeDee Lamb, even Antonio Brown have good seasons doing that. But I just don't think that people are thinking rationally about real NFL football when they say, oh yeah, take out these guys and put this this guy in. I mean, the one time he really had an opportunity to make a play blocking on in the first game, he he held his man and got a penalty, a 10-yard penalty. So it's five uh, seven. So I mean it's he's gonna have some trouble. You point out the snap share, the 29% in week one, 46% in week two. So it's on the rise for him. He's in, he's definitely in an offense where if he's only on the field for 50%, like he can get his. They're gonna throw throw a lot and like i mentioned this matchup against jacksonville uh, i do the quarterback coach obviously over at fantasy line for dfs uh in my write-up i said the jags made teddy bridgewater look like a warren moon what are they going to do you know with, with kyler murray now in town throwing against them i, I think even if he continues to have a 50 percent snap share the volume that he's going to see in, in competitive games now this one i don't think is going to be competitive so i don't think there's going to be a need for for Murray to throw as much as he was in the last game where they, they went against Minnesota in a back and forth matchup, but they do have some matchups coming up. The Rams, the 49ers, where he may get that volume because the game's going to be so fast paced and competitive. Right. Yeah. I mean, and but the way I look at it is like, if you're getting offers where people are like, Oh, this is Tyree kill. If you look at Tyree kills rookie year, he didn't get that full snapshot either, but he figured things out kind of, I mean, he ran back three kicks, which is a little bit ridiculous, but right. you know, he was scoring big touchdowns. But for me, Moore is a guy that he's, if he keeps progressing to the point where it gets to a 50% snap share, then you have to just start putting him in your lineup. So that's the most interesting thing from this game. On the flip side, we might actually get, some sort of consolidation of targets now that now that LaVisca Chenault is hurt and also the inexplicably used James O'Shaughnessy, who is basically getting rolled out like Travis Kelsey, he's also hurt. So now I saw you tweet today though. You said once once O'Shaughnessy came out though, the backup tight end went in and was had the same role. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean I'll throw a name out there. This is a strict, very deep DFS dart throw, like eye shut dart throw across the room, but a Luke Farrell is the name. If you search for his name, a pitcher's an MLB pitcher's name comes up first. So you have to type Luke Farrell NFL, but he, um, after O'Shaughnessy got hurt, same deployment. They are set on using a tight end like this. He went out, played a bunch of snaps at slot and wide receiver, ran 22 routes, got two targets, even though he didn't even know he was going to play that day. So there's an off chance that in a game like this, 
that he could catch a few passes, he's $2,500 on DraftKings, which is the very bare minimum. I mean, most of the guys that cost that much have never run two, 22 routes in their life. So, I mean, if you are just looking to absolutely mail it in at the tight end position and hope for one or two catches, that's your that's your guy. Is there any hope for James Robinson in this matchup? Are we going to get anything out of him with this season? I mean, I think the 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 way they're deploying him, you have to at some point. You know what I mean? Like, there's no matter what team you are, you're going to get a pass interference in the end zone at some point and just be able to plunge it in, or you're going to get you're going to get something. So I think that there is hope for James Robinson. This is just a tough matchup. This front, the Cardinals have a pretty good front seven, Isaiah Simmons and Chandler Jones and stuff. Right. So it could be could be kind of nasty. But as far it, when you look at the running back landscape, how many guys are there that actually are full time running backs? You know, I mean, he's right. pretty close. Yeah, and I like his passing uh, ability here. Same thing on the flip side. Uh, Chase Edmonds is the lead back there. Connor is really nothing more than a, than a spell guy. So good good matchup for both here. Next matchup on the slate, we have the Indianapolis Colts versus the Tennessee Titans. The Colts currently getting five in this one, which is interesting because they don't have their starting quarterback. Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles. Yes, I know Tennessee's defense has been absolute garbage, but their offense broke out in a big way last week. And I tweeted it, Coop. It was a story of the offseason was Derrick Henry's upside. And he had a career-high six catches on six targets last week. He had three catches on four targets in week one. If he keeps catching the football, everybody who said he had no, he didn't have RB1 upside is going to be going to be hurting. Yeah, Eden Crow, man. I mean, I said it as well. The guy's never had 20 catches. So it's like, what can you really, pro- even if you say the guy's going to catch more passes, what can, what do you project for a guy that's only ever caught 20? Can it's you feeling say- like that Leonard Fournette year where all of a sudden he had like 90 catches. You're like, what what happened mm-hmm. here? Right. It's, and that's that's the wild thing, dude. But maybe, you know what? It could easily be that it was just Arthur Smith that didn't like doing it. You know what I mean? So, it's true. It's a good uh, point. Change an offensive coordinator, right. and now they're throwing to Derrick Henry more. Right. And I think that there was somebody said something similar back then with the Jaguars where it was, oh, I forget the OC, but he had never thrown the ball more than two times a game to any of his running backs. So it could be the case. I mean, either way, like Derrick Henry goes from being a guy whose upside is RB three to five to being whose upside is the greatest running back season there's ever been. You know what I mean? If he can catch three passes a game, it, like if you took Derrick Henry from last year and you gave him three receptions a game, you probably would have been the running back one overall. Would he not? So yeah, he's on he's on pace right now for like sixty plus catches if he was right. to like continue the run. So I mean, right? If you, if you give him two thousand yards rushing and then throw in sixty catches for four hundred yards, I mean, you're not going to beat that. So. Right? Yeah. So that's everything there. Michael Pittman looking like kind of a beast, you no? Know? Like uh, yeah. going against Jalen Ramsey and and holding his own hundred yards. Quarterback is the question. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, and for me, I, I kind of also sneaky like a lot more with Carson Wentz. But I mean, Zach Pascal is playing 90 percent of the snaps, man. He's catching balls. So it's mm-hmm. like at a certain point, we got to put our ego aside on what we think, who we think is the the special players and who are just kind of fill in guys like uh, we, we saw it last year with Gabriel Davis when he was when John Brown was out and he was playing 90 percent of the snaps. He was scoring touchdowns. I, and Zach Pascal is they're they're on player profiler. They are they're comparable players it's the same guy so like i really don't care once we start getting into actual snap shares and target shares i don't care if the guy isn't fast or that he played special teams before i care about the target so right now zach pascal is if you're hurting he could be a guy yep for sure let's go over to the next matchup we have baltimore versus detroit ravens on some books are giving nine others are around eight detroit they they've made some efforts like they've put up points at times 
But I think everybody is figuring this is a big-time Baltimore Ravens win here. Lamar Jackson, monster game on national television on Sunday night against Kansas City. He's going to put him on the map. Be very favorable in DFS this week. How do you see this one playing out against against the Lions? Like, I know you get three points at home, but I mean, I feel like the spread should be bigger than that. Like, anyone that actually watched that first game the first week, it was 41-17 with six minutes left, and the 49ers had the ball. That game, in most situations, is over. And it was onside kick a fumble like all these things that let them kind of back into the game but they were never in the game and the same thing with anyone that watched the Packers game like the Lions were out of that game pretty quickly you know what I mean it was like Aaron it was basically the Aaron Jones like tribute show you know what I mean so I I, if I'm betting I'm betting on Baltimore to cover that spread I mean it's kind of ridiculous that it's only seven and a half like I really don't believe in the Lions do much besides check down to Hawkinson and, and Swift and Jamal Williams. I guess Quintez Cephas is kind of interesting given his usage. I mean, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, Tyrell Williams already ruled out too, so. Yeah, with him out, I'm interested in Cephas. Amon Ross St. Brown, Brown, the issue we talked about before the season is kind of coming to fruition. He's not out there in two wide receiver sets. He's coming out of the game. He's playing like eight, 80 to 90% of his snaps in the slot, so I really don't trust him at all. What are your uh, What are your Swift takes after two weeks? I mean, he's a garbage time megastar. Like, that's the thing that I thought that they wouldn't do, which is when they're clearly have obviously lost the game, put in their star running back and just play the whole throw it over the middle roulette game to see if he can get blindsided by somebody. It's like, I thought this team would be planning for the future. but I was okay with it because I was able to cash my over on his yards and receptions there at the end of that game. So it, it worked out. Five for me, but surprisingly, Jamal Williams did not get much action in the second half of that game, uh, which we all thought he was going to after week one's output there. Uh, next matchup, we got the Washington football team going into Buffalo here. Taylor Hineke, the quarterback, looked decent. He actually made some good throws there against the Giants last week, but Washington is getting seven and a half points in this one. I think it's a little, maybe a little bit of an overreaction on Buffalo's win last week against Miami. Josh Allen still doesn't look like they're winning games almost despite him at this point in terms of the production he's been able to put on in the field. Your guy, Zach Moss, had two rushing touchdowns last week. Where are we with this Washington versus Buffalo game? Hey, before we go into this one, I just want to say, because we didn't yeah. really touch on it with the Ravens, anyone out there, don't bench Mark Andrews. Don't trade him. He's still running a huge number of snaps. Being, being deployed as he should, he's going to have better games, better matchups. So that's the, my only take on the Ravens game. It's just letting people know, like, Mark Andrews is going to be fine. So. Yeah, Hollywood Brown also great. So yeah. still, still looking Hollywood good. Brown looks great, yeah. So, yeah, on this Washington game, the Washington defense is is, is good, man. So this is going to be an interesting game, even though the spread indicates that it should be a blowout. Like, Washington can put pressure on on the quarterback. And so far we've seen Josh Allen, based on profile focus stats, is the guy that's been holding onto the ball the longest of any quarterback. Not particularly surprising based on the way that he plays, but we've seen in the past quarterbacks have issues staying healthy doing that. You know what I mean? The Big Bens, the Jay Cutlers, the Tony Romos. They, it's like Eli Manning throwing the ball in the stands at the first sign of trouble never looked cool, but right. Eli Manning you know, stayed healthy enough for his defense to win games. And with those other guys, they were missing games. And a lot of times they miss games when the team needed them most. So mm-hmm. I worry about there that there with them. I Emmanuel Sanders finally he he the first week, all three wideouts, Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Diggs played ninety percent of the snaps this past weekend. 
just Diggs and Sanders did, and Beasley kind of took a step back. So I like Emmanuel Sanders a lot. If he's out there, last I checked on Yahoo, he was only like less than 25% of leagues. Stash him on the bench. Emmanuel Sanders is getting good usage, and it's only a matter of time until he he clicks and has a couple big games. With Washington, I I mean, Terry McLaurin, I'm starting him pretty much in any situation. Taylor Heineke is a little bit of a problem. Logan Thomas, I'm probably still starting, but I mean, what are your what do you think about the running backs in this situation in this type of matchup with with this? I mean, you always start Antonio Gibson, right? But can you yeah. start J, JD McKissick anywhere? I think if you're looking at game script, right? If you if you believe in the point spread here in Vegas is thinking this is like an eight point game. I mean, or with Washington being an eight point dog, you probably have to play McKissick, right? And, I, and I've seen you've had this back and forth a little bit as well, and everybody is sort of upset that. Gibson's usage in the passing game isn't what everybody was expecting it to be. Like, well, McKissick had 100 targets last year, and he's a converted wide receiver just like Gibson is. So, like, they have that's his role. His role is to be out there on third downs and play that pass catching back role. He does it very well. He had that tremendous wheel route catch against the Giants last week, and a great throw by Haneke to land it in there. But if this is a game where they're going to be down, it's going to be tough for Gibson to run up against Buffalo's defense. McKissick's probably going to end up being out there if that game script flows that way. Now, if Washington's defense goes and gives Washington the lead like they did in week one for a little bit there and you got 20 carries out of Gibson, well, then that's where the volume's going to come. So if it's going to be a game where they're playing from behind that you're going to see McKissick out there, it's going to be a game where they're playing from ahead, then they're going to grind it out with Gibson. I still like Thomas. Yeah, I tweet, texted you and tweeted at you right away like, Ricky Steele's Jones touchdown was a real kick in the <laughs> pants. You know, Ooh. why that wasn't Logan Thomas, I'll never know. A great, great catch and throw, just not the right tight end. Hey, yeah, McLaurin being a target monster there is it, quite interesting. Uh, I just want to say for people out there, the Antonio Gibson owners, pay attention this week to the most important thing is going to be pass blocking. I'm not even kidding with this because last year, Gibson graded out as running back 142 of 154, which is just atrocious, right? And people say, oh, they're not giving Gibson the chance to play in the backfield and prove that he can do it. And what they mean is when they say that is it's a two minute drill and he should be out there catching passes. But what they don't realize is that earlier in the game, Antonio Gibson got four pass blocking plays in just the game last week. And he led his man through on two of them. His grade on PFS, PFF last week, I believe was like a nine in pass blocking out of a hundred. So people saying that he hasn't been getting the chances. He got the chances. He let his guy through twice, 50% of the time, and they're already down one quarterback. So this week, you got to pay attention to that. He needs to improve in that category. If he doesn't, then he's not going to be Joe Mixon. He's not going to be Christian McCaffrey because they have a Gio Bernard to come in and play those downs. So you need to be wary of that. And if you're not seeing it improve, you might want to try and cash out if people still value him as at the level of like Joe Mixon. I agree with you. What do you think of uh, make of anything there with Adam Humphreys playing 70% of the snaps, eight targets, seven catches last week? I mean, I, I, I can't do it, but if you want to do it in DFS and you think maybe he's got a special connection with the backup, then go for that. But I just can't, I can't go for such a low ceiling, low dot type guy. Uh, New Orleans going up against our New England Patriots here. Uh, two and a half point underdogs is New Orleans. They look great in week one against a bad Packers team. They James threw five touchdowns and like 14 passes. And then in week two, they got their blow, their doors blown off by Carolina, New England. They, they fumbled the game away in week one. Week two is all their defense going up against Zach Wilson, but Mac Jones really wasn't overly impressive here. Again, they've talked a lot about how they want him to throw downfield a little bit more. He's talked about not taking opportunities they've had to throw downfield. There was a great screen screen capture, basically, 
of a play where Hunter Henry was couldn't have been more wide open. It was complete blown coverage by the mm-hmm. Jets. It would have been a touchdown, and he didn't. He never even looked in his direction. It was just an underneath dump off instead. So maybe the upside's there, but you know, what are your what are your takes on this New Orleans New England matchup? Yeah, I mean, for the Pats, it's it's tough because they really they are playing kind of conservative, and you can tell Mac Jones is a company man, and he's gonna. Uh, go that line he's not really throwing the ball like he last week he didn't need to throw the ball downfield so he he didn't and we'll have to see this week the saints we like haven't seen them play right i mean you have one game that's complete meltdown by aaron Rodgers, blowout and last week was complete meltdown by james winston they played 44 offensive snaps 44 right like that's Nothing. The first week of the season, the Lions played 92, which is two of those games. So for the Saints, I'm interested to see if Adam, I mean, Juwan Johnson ran more routes than Adam Trotman last week for, you know, the first time ever. He only played 18 snaps, but he ran 16 routes, which is more than David Njoku, like all these other guys people are picking up. So I think that they clearly are trying to mix him on more pass plays. On the Patriots side, both Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are playing a lot of wide receiver, running a lot of routes. So it's just a matter of the distribution. It's, I hope this game ends up being a bit of a higher shootout than it looks like. I mean, what's the over under is what, John? Like 42, uh, 40, yeah, somewhere in that range? Yeah, one second here. The total for this game is 42. Yeah. So nothing. Yeesh, nothing that's great. Like, yeah. Uh, that's, they're predicting a slow game. I just, and want, I just want to see a competitive big one. game, right? Exactly. I want to see, because I need to know what what new orleans is doing right like in a competitive game what's marquez callaway what's wh- is alma camara using the passing game more like what's I, I need to see it because so far we haven't been able to to get some answers and we'd suck going into week four and having zero clue what this offense looks like for right. for the saints because in three weeks you know, Mar- michael thomas is back so and, and who's going to be the quarterback we don't know another bad game out of Jameis. Next week could be Taysom Hill. We don't know answers questions that we don't have yet. Anything else on this one? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say go Pats. All right, next go one. Pats, next one. <laughs> Chargers, Chiefs. It's going to be a 1 p.m. Darling in DFS. 55 game total in this one. Patrick Mahomes, that offense, we know what they do. Even with Tyreek Hill not having a good game last week against Baltimore, he still managed to throw touchdown passes to you know, Travis Kelsey. I think Byron Pringle scored a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson, I think. I'm pretty sure he scored a touchdown. Like all, all, all the other receivers were able to score, but Mahomes still did his thing. With with the Chargers, the yardage has been there. The completion percentage has been there. The, the pass attempts have been there for Justin Herbert. The touchdowns haven't been there for Justin Herbert. Mm. And, and that means obviously the touchdowns haven't been there for the receivers. Now Mike Williams has looked good. Keenan Allen's looked good. Last week, Austin Eckler got more involved in the passing game. He had nine catches after not being targeted at all in week one. You know, I need to see this Chargers offense start scoring, right? They can't get all these yards and then not score. So this is a game against the Chiefs where if they don't score, they're going to be down three scores by halftime. Yeah, I mean, Jared Cook had a touchdown pass that was called back on a very ticky-tack illegal shift. Cook and DFS killed me. And I mean, the thing is, if somebody clipped together the Cowboys doing the same exact thing and it not being called, I mean, I've seen that not called a million times. Like I've seen, it all depends on what type of officiating crew it is. If you want to get guys for not lining up at the line of scrimmage or not, it's like, how many times have you seen the tackle like 
two like a yard and a half back off the line and, and you're like you're looking down the line you're like that guy is already off right <laughs> like, you know, yeah because like, he knows he's pass blocking so he's got that back foot ready to go you know he's ready to go yeah and it's like they don't call that it's like those are the kind of things that it's not changing the game it's not affecting the outcome i don't like to see that but anyway it is what it, and i don't even own jared cook really in a lot of leagues i just don't like to see the refs well the referees over. have been atrocious anyways the the taunting calls have been ridiculous oh, keenan yeah. allen even got a taunting call in that game after making a catch and flag him for 50 on that but yeah i mean it wiped that touchdown off the board you're right there but still like the yardage and attempts i need i need more out of herbert he's gonna be valuable and this is a matchup where they have to score touchdowns right and this is like the opposite of that game we just talked about the saints pass i mean like the spread is 13 yeah i mean the uh, sorry the over under is like 13 more points (laughs) like this should be a fun one i wish this game was at four o'clock or even at night i'm surprised it's not a prime time game i'm trying to actually Look down and see what I, Tampa Bay and the Rams are going to have that primetime game. So, right. but uh, even at four o'clock, it's like to so get, get a little watch a little more individual plays. So, should be should be fun to see with KC. We kind of know what we got, right? So, it's really for me about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Can he kind of put pull it together? We know what we know what Tyreek Hill is, we know what Travis Kelsey is. Demarcus Robinson's playing a good chunk of snaps because he's a blocker. Michael Hardman is getting more deployment as an actual pass catcher, but neither one really kind of getting a big enough share. Maybe in this one they might, but it's all about CEH to me. He's another guy that's had pass blocking issues, two pass blocking snaps on the season, two pressures. They let Daryl Williams have two pass blocking snaps. He let in one pressure. So it's not like they kind of decided. I think it's still undecided, but that's one. If you're a CEH owner, watch those pass blocking snaps. I know it's boring to on the pass play watch your running back but just watch what he's doing and how he's responding to that because we've seen guys get their roles chopped in half because of that exact issue joe mixon for years trail philip Lindsay, royce freeman freeman was playing over philip Lindsay, and people didn't know why that was why right you know? so uh something definitely to watch there very important and DraftKings is daring everybody to play ceh this week he's off forty eight hundred dollars i think so you want that chief's offense you want a chief stack you know, maybe him but probably not next matt atlanta versus the giants here we got a 47 game total and we have for a spread we're looking at the uh falcons getting three points here daniel danny dimes is doing his job if you're looking at fantasy production i mean he's put up like 25 and 27, I think, fantasy he's, points. He's amazing in fantasy. Yeah, he almost ran for 100 yards last week and had a touchdown. <laughs> he had um, one call. He had a huge one called back. Yeah. Kenny Galladay popped up on the injury report. Now, we're recording Wednesday. Cop popped up on the injury report today with a hip injury. Obviously, we don't know the status of him going forward. Your boy, Evan Ingram, looks primed to return this week. Good matchup here against Atlanta, whose defense has been trashed in two weeks, facing Philadelphia and then Tampa Bay. This seems like all systems go for New York. For me, the biggest thing I need to see here is what does Saquon look like, right? He had a 41-yard run last week. The rest of it was trash. This is Atlanta. Are they going to deploy him now three weeks in? Is he going to get more work? Is he going to look better? And I got to see what Saquon looks like. Yeah, I mean, he, he's get the snap count is off, right? I mean, he played 80, 90%, right? So it's time. And me, man, the the number one – take a guess what the number one thing I'll be looking for in this football game is. I have no idea. <laughs> Evan Ingram. Oh, well done. Is, I thought it was a trick question. I already mentioned everything. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's the number one thing for me personally. I know you mentioned yeah. it, but he, he's the number one thing for me. Um, very excited to see him back. He was uh, back leading the tight ends in um, the drills 
today. So that means it's not like Rudolph's the number one tight end. No one ever thought that. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see how it affects Sterling Shepard. I think he's the one that it might have the biggest impact on. I'm hoping that they just basically move Shepard to flanker, have Ingram mixing in and out of the slot and in line, and then you have Galladay at split end, and that's just kind of the way it goes. On the Falcons side, Russell Gage is. Do we know if he's playing yet? I don't. I thought I saw that he was. He was on the injury report. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. So I don't know if he's he's in or out. Either way. How much fab did you spend on Cordell Patterson this week? I threw some stuff out there. I didn't really need him. I was pretty running back heavy, but I threw I threw in some places. 10, 15 percent. I didn't really get him. I mean, did you get him anywhere? Two places I was able to get him. Just a, a league where I missed out. Uh, I had both Mostert and Gus Edwards. So losing two running backs in two weeks like that and, and you know, yeah. really needing depth. Right. So Coral Patterson having the dual position eligibility on Yahoo um, is useful. So I was able to kind of grab him there. Yeah, I'll tell you, I do have one one league that I make them a priority in every year is draft with giants, which does return uh, double points for return yards this week. My team with him actually playing a real role and you know, Andre Roberts returning kicks and playing a real role. I put up like well over 200 points, which I don't, nobody in my league was even close to that. I got a, I got a shot to win that one. I took all return guys this year. I was like, you know what? I'm just going all return guys. And it's actually working pretty well. But if you got leagues with return yards, guys like Cordero Patterson are a cheat code. But I think that if they continue to mix them in on pass downs and, and use them in the red zone, like they did, then he could be a, a really high-end asset i mean we've seen his explosiveness he's the greatest kick returner basically since gail sayers right i mean it's mathematically proven yeah anybody else in this one well kyle pitts finally had a big game last week against tampa bay gets to the giants here is uh, what are we expecting which version of pitts week one or week two do you think is more similar to what we should expect as fantasy players I think Kyle Pitts is actually going to steamroll. I think that the I think he's his deployment's been good. He's been used on like 30 plus wide receiver snaps, and I got to do a little more research into it. But the Eagles, after kind of stifling Pitts week one, they gave George Kittle a really hard time last week too. So I'm wondering if maybe that Eagles defense under Sirianni has kind of figured something. I mean, they practice against. Goddard and Ertz. So, I mean, they're, they got a pretty good feel for covering the tight end. So I wonder if maybe that defense is going to be one of this year's defenses to avoid for tight ends. Like the Patriots for the past year and a half have been like that, but right. it changes from year to year based on where the personnel goes and who has what. But I mean, two weeks in a row against two good tight ends, they've kind of kept the numbers low. And when, when you start factoring in the, that the Eagles are going to be playing teams with bad tight ends, they're, they're, could be ended up being one of the better on paper defenses versus tight end. So right. I think I'm I'm all in on Pitts. Uh, even and I was the guy that was against him, which right. is funny, but not against him. Well, you're against him at ADP. We'll clarify. I had him at six. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like okay, I was taking Andrews and Hawkinson ahead. It's like I had a rookie tight end at six. You can't really say I'm against the guy, <laughs> but like some people had him at four. So that's like and Hawk you kind of Hawk has looked every bit the part. Huh? You know. Right, he's been fine. I think Andrews gonna be fine too, and I think Pitts is gonna be fine too. So if you have Kyle Pitts, you should be happy about it and just stick with it. Start him every week. Next match. Up here is the one we alluded to earlier. We have Chicago at Cleveland. Justin Fields making his starting debut here. Bears are seven and a half point favorites, seven point favorites on some books. Uh, I see a lot of people happy uh, about Fields getting this opportunity. I think this is a tough spot for him, making it his starting debut on the road against Cleveland, a defense that we 
we think in theory is good. Now, Houston put up points against them last week, and everybody thought it was going to be a blowout. For me, it's looking at Fields as a rookie quarterback. In the preseason, he only completed 61% of his passes. In the, in the small sample size of action he got last week, he completed 46% of his passes and threw a pick. I think his fantasy value at the beginning is going to be his mobility. I am not, if I have him on a team, I'm not starting him. I actually put him in my fades article for DFS this week. He's cheap. He's only like $5,000. I feel like everybody's going to want to put the new shiny toy in their lineup. I'm worried. I, I don't know. I don't think this is a good spot for him to make his debut. Yeah, it's it's not a good spot. And the way I'm kind of looking at fields in terms of fantasy is we always like to do when we see a new quarterback who who it's good for, who it's bad for, right? I think that in this situation, it's pretty obvious that this is not good for David Montgomery. We know, you know, statistically that mobile quarterbacks don't check down or dump down. I mean, we know it anecdotally and statistically. It's been proven by Andrew Erickson at PFF. He's got articles on it multiple years in a row now that show the numbers. So it's probably not good for the receptions for David Montgomery. Probably not good for Cole Komet either as another low A dot dump down guy. The guy that I think that it could be really interesting for is Darnell Mooney because we've seen these guys that can extend the play, the quarterbacks, Russell Wilson's, the, we've seen Lamar do it. We've seen Lamar, yeah. Kyler Murray do it for sure. Kyler Murray just did it this weekend where you run around long enough that your fast guy gets open. Mahomes does it too. Run around long enough for Tyree Kale to just run back and forth across the field until he's <laughs> open. I mean, Darnell Mooney, people don't really think of him that way. I mean, maybe they do, but he ran like a, his pro day 40 was like, I don't know if he was at the combine, but he ran like a four, three, like, like very fast 40, like not that much slower than the Tyreek Hill. So I think Al Robinson's always going to be good. With Darnell Mooney. That's fast. That's fast. So like he'll, I think he's going to be a beneficiary. Whereas the other shallow guys, Justin Fields just doesn't seem like the guy that is looking to dump it down. So. No, he's yeah. there to take shots. And, and Mooney, 15 targets over the first two weeks. I mean, he's been everything that those who drafted him, I mean, he was a great value going around around eight or nine in drafts. Everybody expected the breakout. And his stock never moved, right? He just kind of always stood there. So playing a bunch of snap shares as well. He played 100% of the snaps in week one. Played 89% of the snaps in week two. So Mooney is definitely a guy that should be on everybody's radar. Not like you can probably go get him anywhere, but if you can, maybe worth a worth an attempt to buy now with a bigger mm. arm quarterback in theory in play. Anything on Cleveland here? Jarvis Landry on IR. We haven't seen... Odell Beckham Jr. yet. It was incredibly frustrating for a lot of last week as someone who played Nick Chubb everywhere. I think I even said on this podcast, like 200 yards was in his range of outcomes. And I wasn't wrong if you break it down in his yards per rush last week, but something called Felton, I think it was, like the running <laughs> snaps. and Demetric Felton, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Kareem Hunt actually had more carries then Nick Chubb and Chubb had 11 carries for 95 yards and a score. I don't know why they didn't feed Nick Chubb that entire game, but if there's no Landry and there's no OBJ, they're going to have, they're going to be running the ball maybe more than usual. Like what, what am I missing here? Chubb playing 57% of the snaps last week. Yeah, so I, I think that they were just like, kind of i mean hard to say they were trying stuff out, but the Nick Chubb actually played more pass snaps than Kareem Hunt as well. Like, they just kind of were like, it's like uh, opposite day. Like, it was very strange over there. So I think we got to deploy these guys the way that we know that they historically have been. So when you think it's going to be a seven-point favorite day, it's Nick Chubb day. You know what I mean? If it's a day where they're underdogs or it's close, then it's Cream Hunt day. It's just that's the way that it, that it goes, and that's the way you kind of have to. 
if you stop treating it like that way, then that's how you get burned by trying to get too cute or too crazy. I mean, most people that drafted Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt were are starting them anyway. Like you drafted Kareem Hunt because you needed a guy there. It's like otherwise you if you were all set at running back by that point, you pass on him. So that's kind of my take on it. Start your guys the way that you feel that they should be started. And it should be that kind of narrative with Odell. I'm starting him where I drafted him. Like it's like I drafted him to play him. He's healthy. We're going to go with the tight ends. Austin Hooper is the guy you want. I know people love the athleticism for Njoku, but Hooper ran 20 routes and Joku ran 15 and um, Harrison Bryant only ran 12. Like if you really think about it, I know they were playing the Texans, so it was kind of a boring game or whatever, but even Juwan Johnson ran more routes than David Njoku last week. So I'm a little, people are jumping all over him, but I think Austin Hooper is probably the only one that I would personally consider starting unless I was in real big trouble, you know? And I, I agree with you there as well. And it'll be see, interesting to see how they deploy this passing attack there. You want to you want to hear my really sneaky play for DraftKings? Yeah. So I basically what I've seen is that they kind of have direct backups rather than like interchangeable wide receivers. So when Odell's out, Donovan Peoples-Jones is the big split end, right? Anthony Schwartz is the field protector on the outside running. His dot is like 23 or something crazy. Mm-hmm. When Jarvis Landry got hurt, it wasn't Anthony Schwartz that played more snaps. He played the same snap share. It was Rashad Hollywood Higgins that came in and played Jarvis Landry's role like to a T. So my sneaky DFS play for this week is that Odell is back. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's been fairly ineffective, actually now comes out of the game because he's the split end. He's not. They're not going to move him to right. slot, right? So the sneaky play is Rashad Higgins this week in a game where they might have to throw the ball. I mean, he's going to be crazy cheap. I haven't looked at the numbers and I, I don't do the wide receiver coach, but just doing the snap count article, I'm looking at it and I'm like, why? Would, 70% of snaps last week, Rashad Higgins. So. Why wouldn't Jar- And he hasn't been before. He's like Jarvis Landry's under understudy, almost as if they have direct backups for everybody, right. you know, which we've seen multiple teams do that. We've seen the Eagles do that where when one guy gets hurt, uh, a certain player goes in, right? Like all Sean Jeffrey would get hurt and Jaws would go in. When um, the when Deshaun Jackson would get hurt, though, it would be Matt Collins. And when when you know the like Greg Ward would get hurt, then it was a different guy. So it was like direct backups. I think the Browns actually have that set up right now, where I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if Peoples Jones snap count just cratered and Rashad Higgins actually was playing the Jarvis Landry role and could have a big week. So, yeah, Dra- DraftKings yeah. is uh, is on you a little bit already with it. Four point two K. On DraftKings, he's not the Damn. the thirty five hundred dollar darling maybe we, we hope for. Uh, Yahoo fourteen bucks though, not not bad if you want to go do a cheapy Yahoo play. Uh, FanDuel five point three k I think is also one of their closer to their minimum. So DraftKings uh, maybe a little bit sharper than uh, than the field there, but still, I mean, full PPR guys out there seventy percent of the snap share, maybe even more this week at four k. You're looking for those values. How'd you pull those up so quickly? I know, I know where I know where I'm going. I know where I know what links to look at. So I was wondering if we had that. Uh, I know we were trying to set that up on Fantasy Alarm, which we should at some yeah, point. So so the tool itself is being built now. You yeah. can go to Fantasy Alarm though. Go to our weekly projections, search the player's name, and then you just toggle between the prices between okay. the the site. So you can do that, but we are going to have that that eventually. I know Matt sells our tools guru is working on that now. We're going to have the value of prices across and then help you identify which player is 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 the best play across sites. Great brainchild of Andrew Cooper over here. And so be on the lookout for that one. 
I can't uh, wait for Batman. Sells Sells is like a wizard, man. Like uh, the fact that he even can do that is amazing. Like once that's up, I'm gonna use that every week. Yeah, so that's that's certainly out there. Next matchup on the board that we're looking at here, we have Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh. Cincinnati is getting three points in this one on the road. Pittsburgh dealing with injuries to both Ben Roethlisberger and Deontay Johnson. Cincinnati is coming off a game where. Joe Burrow threw an interception on three straight passes. Joe Burrow was my DFS quarterback last week. It was an absolute nightmare for that stretch. And then he bounced back and threw two two garbage time touchdowns. One to Jamar Chase, who I stacked with him. The other one to T. Higgins, who if you didn't play Chase, you were stacking Higgins with him. Where are your feelings going into this match, given Pittsburgh's situation and what we saw out of Burrow last week? And there, it seems like they want to run Mixon no matter what the game script is right now. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you saw these two teams as a pick 'em? And besides, like a Week 17, like kind of throw-in game. I mean, this is because right. uh, it's like when you think about the the home team getting three points, this kind of is you yeah. know as close to a pick 'em as you're gonna get in real real football. You know what I mean? Like, so kind of interesting that it's only a three-point spread for the the Steelers at home. I'm interested to see for the Steelers side. Not it's like. Some things are kind of set. Juju's playing a big snap share. He runs low dot routes. Najee is the guy every snap. The line isn't good. I'm interested to see if Pat Fryermuth can claim more of the snap and target share and route running from Eric Ebron. He actually already surpassed him as week two. So interesting there. I mean, he's got a knack for catching the football. They seem to like him a lot. That's the thing that I'm most interested in from the Steelers side, that little battle there. From the Bengals side, Joe Mixon's playing, getting pretty much every carry. Um, the What I want to know is, can the Bengals maintain this thing they're doing where they basically use three wide receivers every play? If I'm a Tyler Boyd owner, I'm trying to sell him, honestly, because I've seen him come out in two wide receiver sets T. Higgins is not coming out of the game in the goal line. This guy is a monster. And Jamar Chase is now establishing himself. So if I'm if I have Tyler Boyd in Dynasty or if I have Tyler Boyd in uh redraft, I would honestly very seriously consider moving him just because before he, what they were doing was when it was a time to go two wide receivers, Tyler Boyd was staying out there. But when now, I mean, I just don't see them opting to do that. When they have two, last year they didn't have two tight ends. That's why it was like so easy to say, oh, three wide receivers every play because CJ Uzoma was out. So it's just through sample. Now they do have two tight ends. They can go two tight ends if they want. So for me, that's this is the warning call to move Tyler Boyd while he can. Disappointing as somebody who does have Tyler Boyd on their team. He's my flex receiver, but we'll, we'll have to, I guess, roll with those punches. This is a 14 team league. Not a lot of depth for me there, so Boyd's gonna have to stick around. Yeah, like I think gotta think about your format sure, too. I sure. mean, because he's a guy that he's gonna play because they like to use so many three wide receiver sets. He's gonna play, but like when you think about ADP, he was also the third one going of them. Uh-huh. So, you know, it is what it was. But they were close enough together where people were like, oh, why not Tyler Boyd? And now we're seeing why not. He's running the low lower ADOT routes. He's you know the guy that's coming out. He's probably not a mega red zone target. His touchdowns. The way I think about it with guys, when we're thinking about like what they do in size, like T. Higgins is the guy that catches the ball in the end zone, and Tyler Boyd is the guy who catches the ball and sees if he can make it into the end zone. Like yeah. he's not a guy you're you're setting up for end zone targets. Right, and, and this is actually a good matchup because between the uh, the wide receiver trio debate during the preseason, you had Chase Higgins and Boyd all where they were. Then you also had Juju Claypool and Deontay going where they were and drafts. You're like, which one do we take? And you were always bringing up, it's like if 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 Chase 
Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster are all going within the first like around three through six, but Big Ben is going in round like 17. Are we too high on the receivers? Too low on Big Ben? Through two weeks, we were too high on the receivers. Right. Yeah, it seems to be the case. And it's yeah, but you're right. It is like it's like one of those like like the Steelers Packers Super Bowl back in the day where it was just like every wide receiver in the world was in that game. That's kind of this game here. Right. Like that game was like Jordy and Donald Driver and and like uh, Greg Jennings against like Antonio Brown, Heinz Ward, Emmanuel Sanders. Like it was just like a ridiculous. And that's that could that's the kind of game we're looking at right now. Like these guys are all studs. So I but it's interesting. The over under is only 45. Maybe it's because the Big Ben injury or what. Rudolph is going to be the quarterback and they want to run the ball in Cincinnati. Next match. We have Miami versus Las Vegas. I will be in Las Vegas. I'm leaving pretty much as yeah. soon as this podcast is, is done recording for the most part. Miami going to be going in with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. Two has got some broken ribs. Las Vegas, uh, Derek Carr dealing with an injury. Carr has been phenomenal through two games in terms of production. He threw for over 400 yards. I think it was like in week one, right? And then last week, or was it last week he threw for over 400 yards? Like he's been unbelievable in terms of total yardage completion percentage at 66 percent 382 last week 435 against the baltimore in week one in that overtime game four touchdowns the one interception there if he's healthy now going up against miami at home in las vegas and we were down on maybe the receiving weapons there but rugs had a big game last week we and, and waller still produced thoughts here on this matchup yeah i mean like Derek cars looked awesome it's the numbers are crazy and, and it goes back to last year so uh, super interested in to see to see him play. I have him in the Scott Fishbowl, but it's kind of tough with the Rugs versus Edwards. It might be matchup dependent. We'll have to see. But if they neither one can separate themselves, that just makes it a, just an, an annoyance for fantasy because it's always Waller's one and it's hard to support three. On um, and the other interesting thing was uh, I can't believe that Kenyon Drake didn't get more carries. They truly wanted to separate it and go Peyton Barber, which with more carries, which is if you're a Kenny Drake owner, owner, that's just a big, how does Peyton Barber keep getting jobs? He averages Uh under four yards of carry for his career. Brutal, man. It's just a punch in the gut, really, for Kenyon Drake owners, because your whole thought process was I'll draft him. And if Jacobs gets hurt, which he does a lot, then now I have a full RB one to to a certain degree. And that really wasn't the case. So it looks like they want, they want the split backfields, New England Patriots style, which, uh, it's just an annoyance for fantasy football everywhere. So yeah, it was it know. was encouraging. You saw 71% of the snap share last week. So he was out there and through two games, he has 10 catches on 11 targets. So if you're in a PPR league, like you're getting at least that production out of him, but mm-hmm. you're right. The only getting uh, the seven carries for, for nine yards is a uh, less than a uh, less than ideal. The Jets Denver, this game, <laughs> The Denver Broncos are 10 and a half point favorites against the New York Jets. I don't have it in front of me, but this is something that Craig Mish and I Bender talk a lot about on the Wager podcast, Alliance preview podcast. Like Denver, historically, their home record in September is, is, is like an 80% win rate or something like that. Like teams, they go into Denver, they can't deal with the altitude earlier in the season, and they just get washed away by the Broncos at home. The Jets are looking like a team that is poised to go into Denver and get smoked. Are we reading too much into this? Is there, is it, what's the surprise here for you? We touched upon obviously Ted, Teddy Bridgewater and his throwing and Cortland Sutton last week looked phenomenal. Where, where are you? What are, what are your keys to this matchup? Yeah. I mean, in terms of teams that can get washed away, the Jets are looking pretty washable right now. I don't think they, it's going to be tough for them to be as bad as they were last week, but Denver's a very tough place to play for for a very young team 
you know what I mean? Like what playing at Mile High Stadium. Do you think about like Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore? I I don't know if my Mackay Becton has played there. Is he still out? I mean, it's like yeah, these, he was out. Yeah, he's out. So these young players, I mean, like they they don't have a lot of experience, and then you're going into a pretty hostile environment, hot can't really breathe. It's going to be pretty rough for the Jets. For Denver, I'm interested to see how the split progresses with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. First week, it was right down the middle. This past week, equal carries, but more pass snaps for Melvin, which was kind of... I think what uh, we, we sort of predicted, at the very least, Gordon would be that third down guy. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, but not a good game, game script, really, for if you're going to be a third down guy. I guess we this would be the time for them to showcase Javante Williams and see what he can do against a team like this. For the Jets, I'm interested to see the number one thing that interesting data we can we can pull from this is who are going to be the guys in two wide receiver sets. We know that the Jets so far have used a couple multi-tight end sets, Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, and Trevin Wesco. They bring in the him as like a fullback tight end hybrid with Jameson Crowder coming back. Is Jameson Crowder just going to take the Braxton Berrios kind of slot only role? Or is Elijah Moore and Corey Davis have basically been playing the whole game? Does Jameson Crowder play the whole game and Elijah Moore come out, or are they committed to the rookie? If they go, if we go into this game and Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are still playing 80-90% snap shares, then I'm interested in both of those players. If Jameson Crowder is the guy that's playing slot and then moving to flanker for two wide, that's a that's a buy that's potentially on waivers. So that that's something that is kind of interesting to me that I'll be definitely be looking for this week. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Next matchup, we have the primetime game like we're talking about, or the, the 4 o'clock game, rather, that everybody's going to be watching. That's Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers against the Los Angeles Rams. Tampa is open. Tampa opened as a two-point underdog. It's now up to being a one and a half point favorite. Antonio Brown out with COVID, or, or I assume he'll be out. He's vaccinated, so I don't know the protocols necessarily there if he'll be it's, able to be back or not. But if he if he has, yeah, it's, basically it's they don't tell us if it's close contact or if he has, actually has COVID. So if it was a close contact situation and he passes two tests within the next 24 hours, he'll be able to play. If he fails either test and he actually has COVID, then he's out. That's that's the rule. Oh, in this matchup last week, or sorry, not in this matchup, but for Tampa Bay last week, we saw Mike Evans get in on the party after being left out of the boat in week one. It was Antonio Brown that was off to the side against Atlanta. Gronk caught two more touchdowns because he's the man. Godwin looked great. Now we have this matchup against the Rams. Evans feels like the candidate that gets Ramsey treatment here. I don't know if you agree or disagree there, which means we have to expect more Godwin, potentially Brown if he's there, and I would assume a lot more Gronk. Yeah, I mean, Evans, his M.O. has been to disappear against the tougher corners, whether that I thought it used to just be Jameis Winston playing to the easier play, but we've seen Brady do it, too. We watched him. It used to happen against Marshawn Lattimore. It used to happen against James Bradbury, where they would just Evans is he can't really get the separation. And he honestly, at times, gets so frustrated that he gets into fights and gets thrown out of games. You know, what I mean, it's just. That's just been his his situation. So this could be one of those games for him where they just go to God when they go to Gronk. But I mean, you, on the flip side, it's hard, so hard to sit Evans that I'm probably not going to do it. I would just say don't build a DFS lineup around him where I have Evans up playing him. So and then on the running, the running back side for the the Bucks. I mean, we've seen Aaron Jones first week he fumbles. Second week, he lets his guy go right by and sack Tom Brady. I mean, there's no faster route to the doghouse than those two things for Tom Brady or for Bruce Arians. But, you know, on the flip side, 
Uh, we've seen Leonard Fournette also ball goes off his hands, intercepted last week. Fournette also let in pressure. I mean that that backfield. I'm just glad I don't have too many pieces of it. Gio Bernard is exclusively playing pass snaps, which I've never seen that from a running back. He has not gotten a carry at all. He's not been out there for anyone else running the ball. He, every time he's been on the field, it's been a pass. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. No, uh, it almost again, it goes back to the predictability of New England offense, right? Like, sure, James White will take the occasional drop, but back when Sonny Michelle was on the field, it was like 90% run. You right. Know? Like, it was never, never anything else. He wasn't out there to do anything other than that. So um, I actually think the Rams receivers are appealing in this one. We look at this Tampa Bay defense, but through two weeks, they've allowed Dak Prescott and Justin Herbert to throw all over them. Uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen had big games last week. We saw C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper have big games in week one. Cooper Cup coming off a monster game against the Colts. Robert Woods a little bit stepping back, but I mean, we know the talent is there for him. I actually don't mind these uh, Rams receivers. Yeah, and I think that what teams are kind of doing is picking on, so Sean Murphy Bunting is out, who's a really good slot corner for them. And without that, you when you don't have the complete shell of your secondary, then they kind of pick on you at certain spots. So I think that actually bullies really well for Cooper Cup. We'll see with, with Tyler Higby. The first week, it was like Jekyll and, Jekyll and Higby out here. The first week, I was like praising his the ch- complete change in usage. He only pass blocked on two snaps. I was like, you know what? I said that it couldn't, ha- you know, it, he would need his usage to change completely and to be ahead of Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. And his usage did change and he was ahead of Robert Woods. And then the second week he comes back and blocks on seven pass plays, 21%, which is the same that he blocked on last year. And it's like, I just said, I just told everybody that it's different now. And now you go right back to that. Like I said, one nice thing about Tyler Higby one time and it came back to bite me. So <laughs> never again, never again. Yeah. It's like, but it, you know, it's like he's playing every single snap. So it's kind of hard. He's just a guy that you, you, if you have him, he's your only tight end. you plug him in, but put somebody on the bench, somebody with upside. If you have Tyler Higby as your tight end right now, use a bench spot on Juwan Johnson Evan Ingram, Cole Komet, either of the Patriots tight ends, just put somebody on there that could actually be a top two target on their team. Because even you as a Higby owner, he's not getting more targets than Robert Woods. Like look at yourself in the mirror right now while you listen to this podcast and ask yourself if you think he's going to get more targets than Robert Woods. And if the answer is no, then you need to be trying to find this year's Mike Gusecki or Logan Thomas and stash them on the bench. And that could be any of those guys I just named. So that's, that's my take on Higby. He could be, I'd say he's fine. That's, that's what I think he is for fantasy. Just fine. Just fine. That, that's just fine for me there. Uh, Seattle, Minnesota, one point spread here. The, the motto of the off season has been to let Russ cook through two weeks. He has in fact cooked. If you're a Tyler Lockett manager, you have been loving this. He had another monster game last week. It was 170 yards and two scores. He had a hundred in a score in week one. Metcalf last week, not so much. Did find the end zone in week one. They're not going to be able to hold him down forever. And this should be a game where it really should be back and forth. Cousins with Jefferson, with Thielen, with KJ Osborne moving the ball downfield, mm-hmm. and then Russell Wilson with with Lockett and Metcalf expecting a lot of points. Vegas is expecting a lot of points here. It should be a good one for both fantasy quarterbacks and receivers. Yeah, yeah, this should be a blast. I mean, you and me were touting these two teams pretty much all offseason, just saying highly consolidated snap shares, highly consolidated targets. It's like this is 
the dependability you want in fantasy, and we're seeing that now. Like, obviously, when we were touting Lockett and Thielen, we weren't expecting them to score more points than the other guys. And honestly, I it's hard to pre- say that they're going to keep that up all season, but it feels good that it's happened so far, that we can hang our hat on saying, hey, this is what you want. The, t- the target shares, both guys are going to get 100-plus targets. So if you don't get one guy go for the other it's like so many people respect that tyler lockett was getting across not just like the fantasy industry but vegas had his yardage prop total for under a thousand yards and he had over a thousand yards in back-to-back years and then they added an extra game to the schedule so vegas was somehow projecting him playing one more game to come up with less yards than he had over the previous two seasons was blowing my mind that's what Um, i mean the disrespect that lockett was getting it's crazy. To, it's it's just like, and the other thing that that bothers me is just the people that try, wanted to put down Adam Thielen and put down Tyler Lockett because they like Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf, not realizing that on teams where it is highly consolidated, you don't need to put the other guy down. In fact, you want that guy to be good because it makes things easier for your guy. I mean, we've seen it so many times in the past. I mean, it's like these people forget about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin or Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders or Juju and Antonio Brown. Like when it's just two guys, that's two guys that are very good. That's actually kind of the best situation for fantasy. Yeah, for sure. We have the... Anything else, I guess, on either side is like running games for you at all. Carson scored twice, I think it was last week. Cook got banged up a little bit. Running games at all interesting here? No, these are the best teams for fantasy. These are my favorite two teams for fantasy because they're predictable. There's two running backs. I'm sorry, there's two wide receivers and there's one running back. And the tight ends are just okay. And that's perfect for me. (laughs) Throw 10 balls to each wide receiver and hand the ball, get the ball to running back 20 times. And hopefully everyone goes home healthy and we'll do it again next week. It's like, Amen. it's that's the best. Green Bay versus uh, San Francisco is the Sunday night game here. 49ers are giving three and a half. What version of Green Bay shows up to this matchup? Oof, my God. It's like Aaron Rodgers, whether he <laughs> decides to go party with, was the guy, Teller. Yeah. Again, Miles Teller uh, again or yeah. not? Yeah, yeah I think fights in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Rogers has it figured. I mean, I think he just you know needed to get the rust dusted off him. I think I think that the Packers are just going to be a wagon like they kind of are. It's like you come back from the game like the, I know it's the Lions and all, but I mean like they're a good team. Devonte Adams looked awesome. Aaron Jones looked amazing. Robert Tonian played. 40% of the snaps and he looked okay. Like this is, that's kind of the team that they are. And I think they're going to be just fine doing what they do. Like you, the thing is, if you committed to those players, you start them no matter what every week. Tonian, everyone kind of knows my stance on him, but he's another Higby type guy where if you have him, go ahead, start him, but go look for somebody else. On the 49ers side, I think what everyone's interested to see is if, like, what the heck's going on with Brandon Ayuk. I mean, what do you think, John? What, what's your Ayuk take, man? Because I, I have a hard time kind of formulating like, I mean, what, what my thoughts are. I, again, I feel like I was. Uh, one that was pretty outspoken against IU this this offseason. And there's a, a tweet chain with you and Howard Vendor talking about the 49ers. And I thought that IU was being wildly overdrafted. Everybody looked at his production last year. Like, oh, the sky is the limit. I'm like, yeah, but like, look at what he did when everybody was healthy. When Kittle and Samuel were on the field, IU was the third man. Like, it was the third target in that offense. He begins this season, this offseason, he gets hurt in, in training camp. With the hamstring, he had injury issues last year. There's there's such a tight knit in terms of 
information that gets let out of San Francisco, though, with the way Shanahan runs everything, you kind of get innuendo, you get rumors, you get things where like he wasn't necessarily working hard during camp or he missed a curfew. He could be still injured and they're limiting and protecting him there. It could be all of those things. It could be that Sherfield is just outplaying him. Like there's a there's 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 that potential. Like Ayuk doesn't have a right to the position just because of where fantasy players drafted him. If he's not performing in practice, if he's not looking good, if he's not healthy, then he's not going to be on the field. And I think Samuel and Kittle are better than he is. So when those two guys are healthier, that's where the offense is going to go. Right, and I I I think that while you were saying that. I was pulling up those FanDuel like R odds. Like while you were saying the off season, yeah. remember I was posting those FanDuel odds in the off season that were like Brandon Ayuk over under 825 yards yeah. in a 17 game season. It's like, I just felt like I was left out. Like somebody was in that room kind of saying, Hey, just a heads up, like watch out for this situation. So <laughs> and, and Debo was going like four rounds after him. And it right. just, I, I was always like, I'll take Debo before Ayuk every time. They had Debo. Debo was at 900 yards over under and uh, 825. It was 825 for uh, IU. So, yeah. yeah. And okay, so let's let's do something right now, you and me. Uh, let's right now plant your flag on the guy you think that scores the most fantasy points this season overall out of the 49ers running backs. Go ahead. Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson Jr. <laughs> I fucking love that pick. Sorry for the language there. We might have to edit that out. But no. uh, Jeff, like, I love that Jeff Wilson pick because, I mean, he's the guy in the past that's come in and kind of murdered it. So everyone right now, check your IR. Check your waivers. If he's there, you have an IR spot. Slide, I picked him up in every single league that I had an IR spot. And then the one league where I didn't have an IR spot, I just picked him up and I'm just eating a bench spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, like, why not? He led the team in rushing last year. Like, he was their leading running back. Right. Everybody's hurt. Elijah Mitchell's a six-round pick. Trey Sermon got one carry, got a concussion, like, fumbled, right? Or something like that. Like, right. he's, like, he was in the doghouse, Rock. Rock. Got, the, got the opportunity, <laughs> and then probably yeah. out now. Mostert's hurt. If Wilson can come back from, he had, like, knee surgery, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. niscus scope or something. So, like, oh, no, he's done. He said he was done. He said yeah. he was done. Yeah, he no, said he's not Mostert. I'm saying Wilson. Wilson's coming oh, Wilson. back. Yeah, Wilson will be Wilson will be back. Jamichael Hasey's just a little uh, yeah. special teams guy. I mean, it, I I think so that with this I mean, in mind, they brought in Brendan Cannon, right, and like Duke Johnson. I think like they're just they're bringing in all these guys. They run this guy Jacques Patrick off the Bengals practice squad. So a guy that couldn't beat out Samaje P Ryan and Chris Evans to. Just kind of be be there while Joe Mixon gets every carry. They brought in that guy, and people are adding him. So I I don't I don't understand that. Jeff Wilson, I, I'm with you on that. Double yeah, just double smash him. Flag. It doesn't yeah. hurt. It's free. Pick him up. He's out there for a reason. I even I even dropped some fab on him in the the pros with Joe's uh, charity league there because I wanted to ensure uh, that I got some Wilson IR for uh, maybe down the road. Anything on the Green Bay side? I mean, Devontae Adams has been okay, and and Aaron Jones of course had. Four touchdowns last week, but like nothing else has looked good. Robert Tunyon scored yeah, last week. I la- I laid out my Green Bay. We already did Green Bay. Let's, yeah, let's, know, get, this last, let's get this last. Let's get this last. Well, I guess I guess it, Randall Cobb has just been like a, a nobody, and MVS is just a field stretcher. So if you're really looking for the next guy, it might be Alan Lazard. So I mean, because unless you're trying to go super boom bust with 
MVS. MVS had over 100 air yards and no catches. <laughs> like, what is All that? All workout team there, you mean? Or, yeah, uh... I mean, Jesus. Yeah, like, go ch- go chase it. That was It was literally yeah. like throwing a Frisbee to the dog. Just go bring right. that back. Uh, all right, we'll close this off here. We have some uh, Monday Night Football, Philadelphia versus Dallas here. Uh, Dallas three and a half point favorites. Well, this is an interesting matchup because the Hearts has looked really good. And Dallas's offense last week stalled in a matchup that everybody thought they were going to blow doors off because of what they did against Tampa. Yeah, and I think this is this is the the opportunity. This is your opportunity to use Dallas Goddard in DFS. I think Zach Ertz is going to be out. I think he's he's on the COVID list, and I don't think he's going to be able to make it back. If he if he doesn't make it back, I posted some stats in the past about it. But Dallas Goddard's role completely changes. He starts playing the slot more. He starts you know running more higher A dot routes. It's kind of like the issue is for Goddard is he's the better blocker. So when you look at the two tight ends, he has to play that role. But when it's him and like Richard Rogers or whoever else, then the rules change completely. So Goddard, it's kind of wheels up week for him to show what he can do. I know Ertz will be back eventually anyway, but Devonta Smith, we like Jalen Rager could have had a monster TD down the sideline last week and he's getting pretty good deployment. So I think those are the three assets in the passing game there that you care about if you care about anybody. And then on the other side, we're going to see another Situation where we get a little bit of a highly consolidated target share, right? I mean, no Michael Gallup. It's I guess there's the two tight ends or whatever, but we get to see just CD Lamb and Amari Cooper, which that should be fun. What's your I mean, what's your Tony Pollard take? I have to hear it after last week. I mean, Tony Pollard looks it looks good, and it's just like a lot of situations like that where you scheme up plays for guys that do something a little different, but. I think it it's it kind of reminds me of the Goddard Ertz thing where it's like Zeke is just a better pass blocker and if you you know watch the Buccaneers game they needed him to do that the whole game right so it's like you got this guy killing himself doing this carrying all the wood around and then this other guy gets to he carrying the wood and build build the ramp and the other guy gets to ride down it that seems to be the situation here but Pollard has looked pretty electric in those situations but it's just I'm going with the guy like if I had both players, I'm starting Zeke. He played right. more snaps. He played the goal line snaps. He played more pass snaps. He's not returning punts like Pollard is. So until we get like a definitive flip there, then I'm going Zeke. Yeah. But it, it just it, if you're a Zeke owner, it is kind of annoying that there are some running backs out there that are getting all those touches. But good. I'm honestly in real life good on the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. This is the same team that ran Demarco Murray into the dust and didn't win anything doing it. And when he got hurt and broke his hand, they struggled in the playoffs. So if they can, if you can have two backs, use two backs. That's how you really should do it. I hate it for fantasy, but in real life, that's what you should do. The Patriots, the Patriots have done it for 20 years. They won more than anyone else, right? Yep, 100% on that one. That wraps up everybody. Our week three preview. You know where to get Coop on Twitter at Coupe Fiasco. Get me on Twitter at JMPemba777. We'll have all of our DFS content already out there. Uh, quarterback uh, quarterback coach is already live. The tight end coach goes out there uh, on Thursdays as you're listening to this now. That should be available uh, at some point throughout the day for you to read, and we'll be good to go. As Howard Bender gets everybody ready with the playbook and the example lineup score plays for a Saturday and Sunday. Coop, any parting words for the listeners? No, that's that's it, man. For but just for you, man. Hey, be safe, have fun in Vegas, win some money, would you? Yeah, Vegas is going to be a blast. I'll say I'll I'll leave everybody with this one right now. If you are listening and you do not have our NFL DFS Pro package, which gives you access to all of our DFS content and our seasonal content, as well as our access to the premium Discord, we are running a deal with Yahoo Sports DFS. You go to dfsalarm.com/yahoo. 
Go to Yahoo, deposit $25 with promo code ALARM, and then come right back to DFSAlarm.com. You'll be prompted by a little pop-up that allows you to claim your free NFL DFS Pro package. This is a value worth over $200. You get the entire NFL season package for free for just a deposit of $25 over on Yahoo Sports with a promo code use of alarm. So DFSAlarm.com slash Yahoo. It's all over our site. You can't really miss it. Uh, but if you got to take advantage of it, if you don't already have it. I can't believe we're doing that deal right now. Like, I've been trying to explain to people, like, friends of mine, all these people, I'm like, look, I'm like, dude, this is a thing that costs 200 bucks, and not only do you get every article that we write on DFS and access to all the tools on our website, which is, like, a ridiculous number of tools, you you get it for the year, and you get access to our chat where you can literally contractually obligated to answer your questions every week on That's DFS. You Coop is on the, Coop's on the schedule, so yes. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm on the schedule. It's like, so it's, it's just a crazy deal. That's something that sometimes we offer 50% off where it's a hundred bucks for the year. Right now we're offering it for $25 to where you put in 25 bucks and you get to play DFS with that 25 bucks and you get 25 bucks from Yahoo on top of it. Right. right. John, yeah. like, it's yeah, yeah. like they, they give you a match deposit. You get, or they give you a free entry to their $25 contest. You're putting $25 on this site to win with the content you are now getting for free. So right. like, all of the Howard Bender playbook, tight end coach, quarterback coach, watch list, lineup optimizer, like everything that we have for $25 that you're investing back into playing with. So like, it's not even really a loss. It's only a win there. Uh, I straight up, I straight up in my article, I go through and I look at the values. We figured out how to compare the values on uh, DraftKings versus Yahoo. And I'll tell you which guy is a better play on Yahoo than DraftKings. So if you're worried about the different, scoring system there i'll i straight up in my articles will say this this guy is better on yahoo than DraftKings. so when you're reading through it and you're like oh i like tj hawkinson and it says he's better on yahoo than DraftKings. what better opportunity for you to just create that account get access to all of our stuff uh and see what's actually behind the paywall and you'll 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 never want to leave i'm telling you we have that's where we keep everything and the like the tools are nuts but you'll see it, yeah, you will. You'll definitely want to go ahead and see there. So that wraps up, everybody. Uh, good luck in week three, and we will be back next week. 